The Land of the Free Podcast, Episode 7. No, I'm not a writer. Okay. The main reason we went into Iraq at the time was we thought he had weapons of mass destruction. It turns out he didn't. If we have not gotten our troops out by the time I am president, it is the first thing I will do. I will get our troops home. We will bring an end to this war. You can take that to the bank. I'm tired of, tired of being peaceful and tired of being calm. You know, I ain't, I ain't peaceful. I ain't no protest. I'm violent. Rocks and bottles, and you can see tear gas canisters being fired. There are reports of, of gunshots also being fired. If I could have gotten 51 votes for an outright ban, I would have done it. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Land of the Free podcast. Oh my word. (laughs) What a crazy, crazy week. We just came off of the Republican National Convention and we're headed into the Democratic National Convention and... Things could not have blown up anymore. Now, I should say before I dive into this that uh, as we speak, it looks like there's another attack that has happened uh, in Florida on a nightclub in Fort Myers. Uh, you know, as of this recording, there's there's still more details coming out. I I really don't like to dive into that kind of stuff unless, until I have more information. You know, imagine that. Hey, we should wait till we get all information before we actually start spouting about our opinions on it. If I get into the the DNC stuff, just a little bit of a a rant here about this. I I, I don't understand. You know, right now with the the shooting, here's what people are doing. Right. This this is kind of new. It's just happening. We're getting we're getting the information and so forth. And what everybody is doing right now is they're 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 waiting. Right. There's like this this waiting period, whatever is like, oh, I got I got to wait, you know, X number of days before I can start pursuing my political agenda based off of of the situation. Right. So everybody's like kind of sitting there. Can I can I can I say something yet? Can I say something yet? Can I say something yet? I think that if you're going to take the death of people and you're going to use that to push a political agenda, waiting a day or two to do that doesn't absolve you of the douchebaggery that that is, right? I, the fact that you waited a day or two doesn't change that. Now, I think we should look at these situations And I think we should try to learn from them. We should try to understand what's going on and then try to look at what we can do from there to see if there's anything that can be done as a people. Like I don't buy into politics really at all, but as a people to see if there's something that can be done to deal with those situations in our own lives more than anything, right? Learning from these situations for ourselves. Again, I think it's a, it's a con game. It's a chasing, you know, it's a, a fool's errand to to think that we're going to 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 solve this with some sort of political, uh, you know, political solution. But what happens after these things is so absolutely predictable, right? Both sides are going to, 
Democrats are going to come in out and say it's guns. Right? Republicans are going to come out and probably say it's terrorism if there's some way that they can link it to some sort of ter- terrorist activity. One side is going to say we should have more gun control. One side is going to say we should be attacking ISIS in the Middle East. Right? It's just, again, we should look at these situations and analyze them and see what happens and see if we can learn from them. But when the political agenda that's going to be pursued is so absolutely predictable, waiting a day or two to to twist the story to fit your narrative doesn't somehow absolve you of anything. It doesn't somehow make it better, right? So again, everybody's doing this right now. I like to wait and just see what the information is and see we can figure out what's going on. At the end of the day, I'm not under any illusion that this kind of stuff is going to continue to happen. But I'm also not buying into this kind of media perception that this stuff is necessarily getting worse. Crime is actually down overall. right? But what happens is we take these events and when they fit a political purpose, they get played up in the media so that that agenda can then be pushed. And so we're made to think that things are getting worse when that's not necessarily the case. But again, like I said, we'll wait and see what's going on here. What we do know, what we have seen is this whole mess that's going on with the Democratic National Convention, Debbie Wasserman Schultz. If you don't know, you know, there were WikiLeaks released some emails that were going back and forth between kind of internal emails with the DNC, uh, information that was going related to information that was going back and forth between campaigns and so forth. And what it showed was that there seemed to be a preference, maybe even possibly collusion between the DNC and the Hillary Clinton campaign against Bernie Sanders. Now, this was like throwing gasoline on a fire for Bernie Sanders supporters because they have been claiming this from the very beginning and not, again, not necessarily wrongfully claiming that. Right? It, it 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 is not surprising to think that there's some sort of collusion between the two. But this release of this email is really just kind of confirmed what a lot of people were thinking. And so again, there's there's been <laughs> there, there's been a lot of uh you know information that's been coming out and some of these emails are pretty pretty damning in terms of the things that they say. So just to, to, to kind of give you some of the gist of this, if you haven't seen, I know you've probably read these, but it's things like, you know, there was a DNC communications director that was eager to point out negative angles for Sanders story. So the DNC was essentially offering different angles for the Clinton campaign that they could use against Sanders. Now, that may not seem like a, a a big deal, but when you have Debbie Wasserman Schultz going on the news saying, and she's the head of the DNC going on the news saying, we're going to run a fair campaign. We're not picking constantly being uh, accused by the Sanders campaign, the Sanders supporters that the DNC was playing favorites and her denying it time and time again. Then you see something like this. It completely, you, you see clearly that they were lying, right? So another one is where 
Uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz is actually calling Clinton the presumptive nominee, while at the same time accusing Sanders of not being a, a real Democrat. Right? This one's especially uh, damning. So here's what she said. She said uh, in response to a political article where Bernie Sanders complained about the DNC not treating him fairly. Huh. Interesting. Funny. Funny how that works. So she she wrote, spoken like someone who has never been a member of the Democratic Party and has no understanding of what we do, even though Sanders has caucused with and campaigned for the House and Senate Democrats for decades. I mean, I, yes, he, he calls himself an independent, but he's been working with Democrats for decades. And so here she is saying, spoken like someone who's never been a member of the Democratic Party. She refers to Hillary Clinton as a presumptive nominee, while at the same time in the news denying any sort of favoritism on the part of the DNC. And so, I mean, we could go through all these different emails or some of these that are particularly bad, but it's it's a litany of her, of clearly the DNC having some sort of favoritism towards the Clinton campaign. Now, uh, as of now, I don't think there's anything that shows that they actually, the DNC actually tried to rig anything, like rig any of the elections or try to divert resources towards the Clinton campaign. Who knows? We may see some of that. But there's clearly an obvious bias towards the Clinton campaign over the Sanders campaign, which is exactly what Bernie Sanders supporters were complaining about. Then... Then I saw this just yesterday that Hillary Clinton in her official statement about uh, Wasserman Schultz being removed. So as a result of all this, Wasserman Schultz, the DNC chair, originally was not going to preside over the DNC, the the Democratic National Convention, and she wasn't going to be allowed to speak and so forth. Then the pressure continued to mount eventually leading, which I think was obvious, to her stepping down as the DNC chair. She's no longer going to be the chair chairwoman, and uh, they're going to replace her and find somebody else. When that happened, then Hillary Clinton gives a statement on it, and in it, she says, there's simply no one better at taking the fight to Republicans than Debbie, which is why I am glad that she has agreed to serve as honorary chair of my campaign's 50-state program, etc., etc., etc. So, as soon as she's let go or removed from the DNC, the Clinton campaign makes her an honorary chair. Now, <laughs> does it does it get any better than that? I mean, seriously, look. I read this article about on politi- uh, P- politics U- USA or Politicus USA where they talk, they say myth busted Hillary Clinton didn't reward uh, Wasserman Schultz with that honorary thing. And so they point out the fact that an honorary position is usually not paid. Uh, so she's not necessarily getting paid. They they, they go to the, this, this should tell you how desperate, they go to the definition of quid pro quo which they define as a favor, advantage, grant, or expected in return for something. <laughs> so that you have to go, oh, well, technically what happened was not that, according, if you have to go that route, you know that that you're really stretching. Uh, 
And they go they go on to talk about how that this was just a savvy political move by Clinton because she didn't want to make enemies. This was the former DNC chair. This is someone who's a still Democratic congresswoman. So she didn't want to just lambaste her and make an enemy. She was trying to 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 be political. But regardless of all of that, you just have to stop and think for a second how bad that looks, right? That this person is removed for supposedly playing favorites with a with a campaign. And as soon as that happens, that campaign then gives her an honorary position. It just it confirms in people's mind, it confirms the bias. Now the emails did a really good job of that, but it it just it's it's like the cherry on top that confirms the bias. Now I know what a lot of you are probably thinking, the same thing that I thought when I read this. Who really cares? I mean, as a libertarian and anarcho-capitalist, like, I don't care really about any of this other than I think the drama is kind of, it's like watching, it's kind of like watching TV. It's political entertainment. And when you don't buy into it too much, it's like, I, I like this movie or the show, The Arrow, the D- DC comics, and it's about this guy, superhero goes around, it's kind of your typical Iron Man, Superman type thing, except he's just a regular dude. But I know it's not real, so I can I can actually enjoy it more than if I were to actually sit there and question if everything that was happening, how, did, how would he be able to do that, right? I know it's not real, so I can enjoy it a little bit more in terms of entertainment. That's generally how I feel about politics. Now, they have real consequences. I understand that. But the people that get so caught up in it that they actually think that something's going to change as a result of whether Trump or Clinton is elected, or even Gary Johnson for that matter, even though he's definitely light years better than the other two, if you actually buy into that and think that anything's going to change as a result of who gets elected president, uh, yeah, sorry, but I just, that's not, <laughs> that's not my way of thinking about it. But so when you look at that, I actually think if you're a libertarian, if you're a narco-capitalist, you're someone who is pushing for either a stateless society, a narco-capitalist type society, or at the very least, a minarchist type setup, as little government as possible. The Jeffersonian approach is as little government as can escape. Then this kind of stuff, you should actually, I think, you should actually applaud in a, in a way. You should be glad that this is happening. Because I believe that the biggest problem that we have in terms of statism, in terms of the what our government has become, is people's confidence in it. When I I was in the military, we took what was called COIN training. It was counterinsurgency training. And one of the things that that we talked about that was covered very heavily in that and was why insurgents do what they do, why they engage in terrorist attacks and the propaganda and so forth, what it is that they're actually trying to attack. And what they're trying to attack, what a state is based upon, why it can continue to have the influence and keep its power, is legitimacy. And that speaks to them being a legitimate provider of safety, of being able to, of people believing in it, 
of people thinking it's legitimate, that legitimacy is the core of any sort of government. And when a government uses or a ruling group or whatever loses legitimacy in providing safety, basic security, ex- uh, basic services, etc., when it loses that, then that's when the people will move on from it and, and choose something else. Now, that doesn't mean that they're going to choose better. It just means that they're going to choose differently. And it depends on the thinking and the culture of that particular group of people, what they move to, which is important to remember in all of this, which is why political solutions aren't going to ultimately be what leads to a, a libertarian society. Because it's entirely possible that if the United States, for example, lost the all the people here lost a sense of legitimacy. They no longer thought of our government as legitimate and they decided to move on and do something else. There's nothing that says that what what they're going to choose is going to be more libertarian. We have examples throughout history where that's not the case. What they choose could be absolutely could be worse. Right? It all depends on the ideas that they hold and the culture of that particular group of people. That's why you've heard more and more here lately people talk about how politics follows culture. Right? Politics follows ideas and the way people think and what they believe and what they value. So, again, the battle for ideas is what ultimately matters most, not the politics of it. That's why I don't buy, buy too much into it. However, you also, there's, there's, there's some value in the politics and undermining and, and getting people, winning the battle for ideas can also be a part of that can be them losing faith in government as a whole, as a, as a general sense. I mean, if you, I think if you ask most libertarians and most anarcho-capitalists, et cetera, what was part of their evolution from, from statism to where they are now, part of that, and I think a big part of that, was them no longer believing that the government, no longer believing in it, no longer believing in its legitimacy, whether on moral grounds or practical grounds, whatever, they lost faith. And so things like this serve to help people lose faith. I was talking with my little brother the other day about this, and this is one of those things that if somebody were to take a soundbite, would sound really bad. Like this taken out of context would sound horrific. But I told him that there's a part of me, a part of me, that's actually considering voting for Hillary Clinton because I think things will get worse faster. And I don't think that the way that this country is going to change, become more libertarian, is going to be by a gradual rollback of what's uh, of what we have now. I just don't believe that. Now, we could argue about that, whatever, and et cetera, but I, I personally do not believe that's what's, how it's going to happen. I believe it's going to happen, happen as a result of a collapse. And hopefully, what comes out of that, at least in some part, will be an area that has more libertarian principles applied to it. Now, that doesn't mean that if the U.S. collapses, that the whole U.S. will reform as one unit and it'll be more libertarian. That, I, I don't think that's going to happen either. But I do think you will maybe have something that looks more like Europe, where you have smaller 
nation states that form. And some of those could have a more libertarian slant to them. I think that's more likely than a rollback of what's happening. And so from that perspective, a Hillary Clinton, I think both Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump will move us closer towards that. I just think Clinton will do it faster. And so, again, (laughs) from that context, there's a part of me that has considered voting for her to just help that happen quicker so we can get over it and move on. Now, that's not to say that I will, but the point being, this kind of thing, I mean, how many, how many, just, just think for a second, you've, I know you've heard this, the arrogance of Democrats when talking politics and talking about the corrupt Republicans and this, that, the other, and how Republicans do this and Republicans do that. Just the arrogance that exists there and them, them assuming that they're, they're above all of this, that this does st- kind of stuff doesn't happen in the Democratic Party. It doesn't happen to them. Well, here we have a perfect example of how it does. So how many Bernie Sanders supporters, as a result of this, have lost faith in the Democratic Party and as a result will end up losing faith in government and will be more open to the ideas that libertarians espouse. I think for, I've said this before, I think Democrats, I think liberals, so to speak, are more easily swayed to libertarian ideas than conservatives are. Because I view libertarianism and anarcho-capitalism as a moral argument. I don't view it as a practical one. I'm I'm along the lines of Murray Rothbard who doesn't think that the the value of libertarian and what libertarian speaks on and has to offer is a utilitarian idea. It's a moral one. And conservatives tend to be much more in, in the practical utilitarian mindset than liberals. Liberals if you it doesn't matter if you agree with their arguments or not necessarily in this particular context. It's that the arguments they're making tend to be moral ones. You know, so they don't support Black Lives Matter from a practical perspective because they think it's more practical. They they support it because they think what's happening is wrong. They think it's immoral. And so there's that basis there. Whereas I found in at least the conservatives I've talked with that there tends to be this core of practicality uh, and this, this utilitarian center to everything. And there's a, there's, there's a lot of problems with that, by the way. That, that's a, the moral approach is, in my opinion, a much, I mean, there, it's a much more grounded principle approach than this utilitarian practical approach. Okay, but they're locked into that. So there's only so far they'll go. You can get conservatives to go, right? You can get them to move and 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 push for less government just by calling them out and saying you're supposed to be conservative. But you can't get them, it's much harder to get them over that final hump into a more libertarian anarcho-capitalist approach to a stateless society than it is liberals, in my opinion. Now Leftists, the regressive left, so to speak, that's a, it's kind of a whole different animal. But liberals, the, the, 
kind of the true liberals, I think it's much easier to get there. They can understand. When you say something, when you point at something like ta- that has happened with the DNC and you say, look, just look, your, your party that is supposed to be the party that doesn't do this kind of stuff is doing this kind of stuff. And it's insidious, right? When you show that, they're much more like, they're not going to, they're less likely to make the excuses that conservatives will make. Well, we just, we just need to get good people in. We just need to, re- no, they, they, they tend to understand the, that, that fundamentally there's a problem here, that this kind of thing always happens. If it can happen in their party that they so cherish and think is so morally superior to the other party, then and and the people that they think are these, you know, ta- talented moral people trying to save the world from those evil people over there, then if it can happen there, then it, it's not hard for them to see how it can happen everywhere. I I was reading. I can't remember now off the top of my head, but I was reading how it was a Tom Woods show, as a matter of fact. He had a guest on who was talking about how to sell libertarianism, so to speak. And he talked about the fact that they've, they've, you know, they did a lot of studies and a lot of research and looked into different things and just talking with people and so forth. And what happens is Democrats tend to look at Republicans as bad people. Right? If you look at the, the words that they use and how they describe things, their, their argument tends to be a moral one. Not that Republicans are stupid, it's that they're bad people. Whereas Republicans tend to look at Democrats as stupid. Right? They, they tend to say, well, right, they've got their heart in the right place, but the ideas they espouse are dumb. And if you look at those, those match up with what we're talking about. Democrats tend to have more of a moral approach to things, and that's why they see Republicans as bad people, because they're looking at the morality of the situation, and they're saying that the other side, because they don't agree with them, has to be bad, because our position is the moral one, and since you're against it, you have to be a bad person in order to take up that position. Whereas Republicans is a more utilitarian, practical approach. They don't necessarily, I mean, you do get into it, some of them talking about Democrats being bad people, but more so they talk about them being dumb, that their ideas are stupid and don't work. It's a utilitarian argument. And so again, I believe that anarcho-capitalism, libertarianism, is a moral argument. And so it's much easier to convince a liberal of that than it is a conservative. I've talked to, I, I mean, I have a family really full of Republicans slash conservatives, whatever. And I've gone back and forth on this. And getting them to even consider the moral argument, in my opinion, has been a victory. Because it was, it's been so difficult to do. To, to just even consider, to even think about it. Is... <laughs> is a feat. And and that's that's a problem. I mean that there's a problem there. But again, getting back to the DNC stuff, all of this I think as a libertarian as an anarcho-capitalist you should look at and chuckle a little bit, right? Maybe poke fun a little bit, 
but also recognize that in a way this is a good thing because it's it's smashing people's belief in the system in this corrupt system it's showing the corruption that exists and it's showing it to people who've had a lot of faith in their particular side their particular argument and it's it's causing them to lose that faith you know people like to make a lot of hay out of the fact that the republican party seems to be falling apart which i think it is and i think it will continue to do so and eventually will fall apart but i don't think the dnc is too far behind clinton and sanders show a rift within that party and it seems to be an irreconcilable one and that doesn't mean i agree with bernie sanders supporters on basically anything you know maybe a few things but not much, but I believe that the more that that facade falls apart, this edifice, this belief in this system falls apart, then the more likely we, we are to have some sort of change emerge out of that, some dramatic actual change, a revolutionary type change occur out of that. Again, that doesn't mean that it's automatically going to be libertarianism. You and I have to continue to do the work of spreading these ideas and and convincing people to our side, but that doesn't happen politically. We don't get to we don't get to implement this politically until the system that's in place actually itself falls apart. So I hope they find more emails. I hope they find some for from the the RNC. I hope they continue to uncover this corruption, this bias, this just dirty politics in all the parties, and it continues to fall apart as we continue to push our ideas and continue to convince people to our side. So <laughs> enjoy this. Feel free to poke fun at your Bernie Sanders supporting friends and family at your Democrat friends and family. Continue to needle a little bit. You should. But don't get too caught up into it as this is some sort of failure and we should be sad. And No, I think this is a good thing uh, and hopefully we see more of it. All right, that'll do it for my time for today. I'm going stick to stick to my hard 30-minute <laughs> limit here. I want to appreciate you guys for listening today. Uh, appreciate you taking some uh, time out of your day to listen to the show. If you do me a huge favor, as I said, the, um, this we don't win this, right? We don't get closer to where we want to get without winning the battle of ideas. That's what matters at the end of the day. And there's a lot of work to do in that regard. There's a lot of built-in... I mean, we could go into the whole education system and so forth, but there's a lot of built-in bias in the system that we that exists today. There's a lot of just kind of warped thinking. I was thinking about this earlier today, not, not to go off too much here at the end, but the word anarchy itself, just look at how that word has been just been twisted. I mean, you ask most people, maybe I'll get into this in the next episode, you ask most people, what the word anarchy means, I almost guarantee 90% of them are going to say chaos or something related to that when that's not what it means at all. And that should be an indicator. That should be a lesson to you about how bad that word's been tortured and why. But again, there's a lot of work to do when it comes to spreading these ideas. And 
There's a lot of people out there trying to do that, trying to put their voice out. Now, obviously, I'm one of those people. I want to continue to fight this battle, but there's no way that I can do it without your help. And so what I want to encourage you to do is, is to share this podcast, share these episodes with, with as many people as you can. And hopefully I can do a good job of explaining these ideas and going through these ideas and helping people to understand what our position really is and convincing them that this is a more moral path and ultimately I think practically just a, a better working path forward for the interactions we have with one another, which is ultimately what politics is, for how we deal with one another and removing the coercion from it. So again, I'd really appreciate it if you would help me spread these ideas, help me spread uh, this podcast. There's no way that I can do that without your help. So again, if you wouldn't mind sharing the podcast, I'd greatly appreciate that. If you haven't yet, then you could subscribe to the show at thelandofthefreepodcast.com slash iTunes for your Apple device and thelandofthefreepodcast.com slash Android for your Android device. Please do subscribe. And if you'd leave me a review over on iTunes, I'd certainly appreciate it. If you want to cuss at me, maybe refrain from doing so. But if you want to give the show a glowing review, that helps That helps me out a ton over there. Again, that's thelandofthefreepodcast.com slash iTunes. All right. Thanks again, everybody. We'll talk to you next time.